Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Good morning, friends. I uh, trust you're doing well. I locked away, uh, COVID style. How have you been going with the Olympics? Um, I trust you've been taking some of that in. I've been uh, absolutely fascinated by the Olympics. Always love my sport. But what's been your best moment? And perhaps right now in that comments section, um, you can type down in there the best moment that you've seen in the Olympics so far. If I had a moment, it'd be Jess Fox. Uh, canoeing. I don't care whether we're talking about a bronze medal or the gold medal. Um, she is a wonderful ambassador for our nation and what a talented uh, paddler she is. But enough of that. We better get into uh, this series on, on Joshua. We've got a short series on Joshua, just four weeks. And it's a part of um, what we've labelled transitions because we're looking at transitioning our church as we await Mitch and Rachel coming to join us in just three weeks' time and how we're, we're looking forward to that. Mitch and Rachel, I know you'll be watching this. We are looking forward to it. We can't wait for that to happen. Last week, Murray unpacked for us uh, chapter 1 of Joshua and he challenged us to step into big shoes the big shoes that God has prepared for us the name that God has the purpose and the identity that we have in Jesus and to be able to step into that confidently that's what the uh, Israelites were challenged about in uh, in chapter one because they saw there that God's blessing was not tied to a leader it wasn't just tied to Moses that God promised that he would be with Joshua just as he was with Moses. And that's the wonderful thing about the blessing of God. God's blessing is because of his covenant to his people. And that's why we can take hold of what we're studying in Joshua. We can apply it to our own lives as his covenant people, as we can step confidently into the future. And so last, last week, we finished with uh, Joshua preparing his people to cross the Jordan and to get into the promised land eventually. Can you imagine what that must have felt like? The anticipation for many of these people, some so excited, they've been wandering around, they've seen people die and new ones born and they'd heard about this promised land and now they just wanted to get in there. They just wanted to take possession of all that God had planned for them. And I'm sure there was another group of people that were in trepidation, they were anxious, filled with anxiety, because while the wilderness had been um, a place of, uh, of endless wandering and moving, it had also been a place where they had been provided for by God in every possible way. It had been a place of safety. And I suppose there's many who are saying, ah, is it going to be like this when we move? And I can imagine them questioning Joshua, just as they questioned Moses, so what's this going to be like, Joshua? How can you guarantee that this move is going to be a good one for us? What can we expect? And perhaps you're here today thinking about the transition of our church in exactly the same way. So what's the big deal? We're getting a, a new senior pastor in three weeks. We've had senior pastors before. Why are we getting excited about this one? Why should we have great expectations about this? 
After all, I'm pretty well bunkered down in my COVID coma at the moment. I'm enjoying um, working from home and tuning in to the TV to watch the Olympics and enjoying the fireplace. Do we really have to ramp church up again? Do we really have to get into it like that? And what can we expect anyway? Well, I want to label today's little um, talk Great expectations. Great expectations because I believe that we can have great expectations. And a lot of that comes out of my readings um, in Joshua chapter 2. And this account of Rahab, I believe there are three different aspects that we can have great expectations of. We can have great expectations that there will be unexpected liaisons. And verse 1 of chapter 2 gives us a very unexpected liaison. Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and they entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. I mean, what were these blacks thinking? What were these blacks thinking? They didn't seem to be too focused on spying out the promised land. They're straight out of the bubble of the wilderness and then they're into a brothel. I mean, come on, you've got to be asking the question, what were they doing? We've heard a lot about breaking the bubble in these COVID times, haven't we? You know, people wanting to escape uh, quarantine or um, somehow um, skirt around the need to quarantine. We've heard about breaking the bubble as our state of origin uh, players have invited people back to their hotel or got out onto a balcony they shouldn't have got out onto. There's been a lot of written about the bubble. But the whole thing about breaking the bubble seemed to escape these spies. But to be fair to these fellows... It could be a very strategic move for them to have gone to Rahab's place. After all, the house of a prostitute is a house that would have been used to men calling at various times of the day or at the night. Also, Rahab's house was uh, built on the city wall. So they wouldn't have had to walk through the rest of the city and raising the awareness of their presence and raising suspicion from those that are around about. Certainly, it's an unexpected liaison for these spies to be in the house of a prostitute. And that account of Rahab reminds me of an account I, I heard some years ago of fellows that were involved in, in sports ministry. They found themselves in the house of a prostitute as well. Um, we're part of a global um, sports network, as many will understand, and I had the opportunity to be at a conference um, quite a few years ago now. And different people from around the world would be sharing uh, different aspects of sports ministry. And, and there were two fellows that got up from India and they had been called to start sports clinics in the slum areas of Calcutta. And while they were doing that, they engaged in a whole lot of clinics for, for these young kids. And they found out that a lot of the children that they were, that they were um, playing with and training each and every day were indeed the kids of the prostitutes of the red light district of Calcutta. And some of these young kids have come to faith in Jesus Christ. They'd given their lives to the Lord. And these coaches were just so, so overburdened with the fact that their mums needed to know about that as well. And so they thought, how can we actually do that? How can we make um, these ladies aware of, of what has happened in the lives of these boys and what our hopes were for them as well? So the only way they could think about doing it was to book time with the mothers. And so they did. 
And so they fronted up in the room of the prostitute. And obviously only one of them went in because others were visiting other prostitutes. And they said, look, we're not here for what you think we're here for. We're here to talk to you about your son. And we also want to talk to you about the hope that you can have through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Wow. Now, at the end of that session, the chairman of the session got up and he said, now, look, we're not recommending this to all others that are engaged in sports ministry. Let me make this very clear. If you're going to be involved in something like this, you need to have a good, good um, accountability around you. And you need to be led there by the Spirit of God because it's dangerous territory. Such was the unexpected liaison for these fellows doing the work of God, finding themselves in the room of a prostitute. But getting back to Rahab, there was, as we will see later, a God-ordained reason for these spies to be in Rahab's house because the Spirit of God had already prepared Rahab's heart for what he was doing. And we'll pick that up later. As I look back on the history of our church, I thank God for the many um, unexpected liaisons that we have had with people that have just walked through our sports centre or come into our men's shed or into our playtime or into our youth activities or into our uh, school scripture ministries. I rejoice at the way lives there have been impacted in a way the people when they first came in did not expect. I rejoice in the unexpected uh, liaisons that we have had with people that we've journeyed with and continue to journey through uh, with, with through uh, care and concern ministries. People have been helped in that way. People have responded to faith because they have received um, what they needed in life, hope that comes through Jesus Christ. I also have rejoiced in those unexpected liaisons that we have had with secular organisations like Football New South Wales or the Solomon Island Football Federation or the Wounded Foundation where we have able to be, be able to speak in those organisations about our love for Jesus Christ and our desire to make a difference in our world. And I've marvelled at the way God has taken us out into these places and opened up opportunities for us to liaise with others. But I've also loved the way God has brought people in quite unexpectedly to play roles in the life of our church. Just over these last two years, we've seen Murray and Emily and Elijah and more recently, Dave come in and take up leadership roles in our church situation. Unexpectedly, God continues to bless and we trust him for that. And that's why I have great expectations about what is going to happen in the future as God brings us into new relationships with other people. Then I have great expectations that we'll see lives transformed, just like Rahab's. Let me read from Joshua. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. I find this passage absolutely fascinating. I mean, the children of Israel 
hadn't even entered the Promised Land. They hadn't even crossed the River Jordan. Sure, the spies had. They were in Rahab's house. But here was Rahab saying that she had heard. Now, bear in mind, this is a long, long time ago. This is before uh, Twitter, before Facebook, before any type of social media. And yet the people of Jericho had heard and their hearts were melting in fear because of the way God had moved through his people, used his people, empowered his people. And here was this lady saying, yep, we've heard of all those things. When God's people, when God's people step into what God has for them, boldly, expectantly, confidently and obediently, God will bring fruit. God will work in a very powerful way. And then we see Rahab miraculously declaring her faith. She said, For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. You see, that's why the spies were at Rahab's house. God had already prepared her heart to be able to respond to the Lord. That's why they were there. They'd been led there. Reminds me of the way that different people's uh, lives are being prepared. We, we don't go somewhere where the Spirit of God isn't at work. Whenever we get there, God is at work. And I reflect on one of the most bizarre um, times that there was an unexpected liaison that happened um, that brought great fruit. We um, Many years ago, we used to advertise our church services and we distributed uh, little leaflets into letterboxes. And there was a fellow that was uh, simply watering his, uh, his garden uh, in Glenhaven. So he had wet hands. His hands were wet from the hose and his other hands was wet, were wet. And he, um, he decided he'd go and check out what was happening in his letterbox. So he went to the letterbox and he pulled out a um, piece of um, you know, junk mail. Oh, he thought it was junk mail. And uh, he thought, oh, I'm going to walk over to the garbage bin and I'm going to get rid of it. And so because his hands were wet and they were moist, he, was, he opened up his garbage bin and he was trying to get rid of this leaflet and he just couldn't, it wouldn't drop off his hand. And in the end, he looked at this leaflet and he read, and it was an invitation to come um, to the series that we were holding at church. And sure enough, this fellow, Ed, he came along. And he came along week after week. He responded to Jesus. He was baptized. He was a, a very important part of our Solomon Island and Kimberley mission teams, driving the bus when the kids came down until he moved up the coast uh, just uh, quite a few years ago now. But God had already gone before. God was pre preparing Ed's heart just to be able to respond, to come along and to hear um, about the Lord Jesus Christ. But back to Rahab. So we get back to Rahab now, and Rahab says, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family, because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. And so she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. I find What I find fascinating about this particular passage is that Rahab acted on her faith before that there was a promise that she would be saved. Such was... Um, 
the impact of what she'd heard about the Lord doing, what such was her knowledge of, of who God was and her belief in who God was, that she was willing to risk her life because the king had already sent people to check out um, whether Rahab was housing the spies. She risked all that for a God that she barely knew, but she acted on faith and the life of and her life and the life of her family were saved. And then it, we can see what happens in Joshua chapter 6. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother, her brother and sisters, and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and they put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it. But they put the silver and the gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho and she lives among the Israelites to this day. I love that final statement. And she lives among the Israelites to this day and Rahab certainly did. And that's why the other aspect of um, great expectations that I have is a legacy of faithfulness. See, Rahab certainly did live amongst the Israelites. Some rabbinical writings uh, tell us that uh, Rahab married one of the spies. But whether that's the case or not, she certainly married one of the Israelites. And she left an enormous, an enormous legacy. She was a great-great-grandmother um, to King David in the line of, of Jesus Christ. She was in the line of several prophets. A rabbinical writings would tell us that she was in the line of Ezekiel. And her story doesn't end with the account, the Old Testament account. She's mentioned again in the, in the book of James where it says faith without um, works is dead. And here's Rahab um, as a shining light, as an example in that. She's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 in the Great Hall of Faith. But it's interesting that wherever Rahab is mentioned, whether that's in Joshua chapter 6 or in James or in, in Hebrews, she's always mentioned as Rahab the prostitute. That label tended to, to follow her wherever she was mentioned, which is interesting because in that hall of faith we have Abraham, but Abraham, it doesn't say Abraham the liar. It doesn't say Moses the murderer. It doesn't say Noah the drunk. And all those men were guilty of those indiscretions in their lives. But we get to read about Rahab. And we read Rahab the prostitute. It's unfortunate in a way, isn't it? And yet what I think it illustrates is that our past does not have to control our future. Our past doesn't have to control our future. Whatever label we might put on ourselves, whatever label others might put on ourselves, we need to step into all that God has for us. And that's what Murray was talking about when he said to take on the name that God had given us, to take our identity, to take our purpose. Too often we live according to what other people have spoken over us. And some of those can be very damaging words. Yep, Rahab was a little different from the rest of the hall of faith. No doubt about it. She was only one of two women that were mentioned. She wasn't a Jew. She didn't have a religious background. She didn't have a godly husband. All she had was a shameful past. And yet, she recognized who God was and she committed herself to follow him. 
And that's a picture of the mission of God for me. It's God's amazing love for all people, irrespective of what our background is. For, for a love for people of every tribe and every nation and every tongue, God's plan right from the start of creation was that the people who followed him would be a beacon of light, would be a blessing to those whom they would live amongst and minister amongst. God is a God of inclusion. God is a God of inclusion. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to understand and have faith in who he is. So I have great expectations that as we launch into this period, this new period in our church life, that we are going to see more unexpected liaisons, that we are going to see more fruit as lives are transformed, and that we are going to build a lasting legacy, a legacy in individual lives as people come to faith and impact their own family and friends, but also a legacy for us as a church as we continue to build on the foundations that have been built in the past to bring all glory to God. Are you feeling expectant? If you are, why don't you write that in the comments section today? I am filled with great expectations for our future. Will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we do want to praise you and thank you for who you are. We thank you that your plan for us, Lord, is, is, a, is a plan to be used by you. Yes, we've been saved. We have new life because of Jesus, but our lives don't end there. Father, you call us to, to build a legacy both individually and as a church, a legacy of impacting others' lives. And Father, we ask that you would do that amongst us as a church, as individual people. We say thank you, Lord, for who you are. And just as we, uh, as we pray together as a church, Father, we want to bring the Webb family before you. As Cam and Sue are down with um, Cam's dad, Jeff, Lord, we pray for him. Uh, in that situation, we pray for Jeff, Lord, as he, it would seem from a human point of view, comes to the end of his earthly days. Lord, we, we ask that you would pour your blessing out on him. And we pray that the family together might understand your, your grace and your courage and your peace in this situation. We pray for the Fell family too, uh, with uh, Sally and, uh, and her dad. And Father, we ask that you would just be present right there in the situation. We thank you that both those men profess a faith in you, Lord, and we commit them to you. And then, Lord, we want to think of others in our own church family who are doing life tough. Father, we thank you. We thank that we can put them in your care, lift them up to you, and we thank you, Lord, that you are faithful as you journey with them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.